Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly. My name is Jeremy. I'm your host. And I'm your host, Kevin. I'm going to get this right soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll nail something down. So this week we read issue 347. Is that right, of Shonen Jump? No, I think last week was 347. I think this is 348. Yeah, I found out it's number 300 and whatever we've been saying. Just for some reason they cut off the 300 most of the time. Yeah. Which makes a lot more sense as a numbering mechanic. Yep. So that's how we know no one is listening to us because no one has complained about us getting that wrong yet. We mentioned that it says on the manga itself that it's only number 48 or 47. So this one has a One Piece cover that looks pretty good. It's just Zoro and Luffy holding swords. And yep. Zoro and Luffy do not hold swords in this issue. But it's still a pretty cool looking one. You get a good color view of their costume. Yep. Yeah. So shall we get right into it or do you have anything else to say about the cover? No. It was kind of cool looking, but... I ended up reading this chapter rather fast, so I didn't take as much time as I normally do to appreciate some of the art. All right, so the first story is, of course, One Piece, chapter 291, Shuten Moru. That's at least how I'm choosing to pronounce this new character's name. Sure. Basically, it's just picking up from two weeks ago with Kinemon explaining yep. the plan to Luffy and how they're going to distribute this like symbol to everyone who has this moon on their ankle that means they're loyal to the old government yeah they're part of the rebellion because the reversed crescent moon is a sign of rebellion or something like that and luffy doesn't understand the symbol i think it's supposed to be just a kanji for like hey this is when we're gonna attack basically yeah basically yeah it's i mean it's a lot more fluid than a kanji normally is there's a lot more roundness to some of the shapes but that's essentially all it is is it's a it's a kanji for we're doing it at this place at this time. Yeah, and basically they're going to attack during a firework festival when everyone will be drunk and easier to fight. Yep. So Kinemon uses his clothes powers to give new outfits to everyone who didn't have one. Yes. Nami gets a sexy Kunoichi outfit that she seems oddly upset about, given what she normally wears. I think it's that she's upset because he's very pervy about it. And she's That's like, true. is this really what female ninjas wear? And he's like, yes, of course. Don't worry about it. Of course, he immediately gets <laughs> undermined by having to introduce them to an actual, I think it's Kunoichi? Kunoichi is how I've always Kunoichi, said it. Okay. That's how the Naruto dub says it, so it's almost certainly wrong. Anyway, a female ninja shows up, and she's going to be leading the group. And Nambi is like, I look nothing like her at all. And Kunoichi's like, no, there are two options. Old granny and sexy reveals everything. Yeah, because the... Kanoichi is definitely very frumpy. I think that's actually how they describe her in the the manga is frumpy. I think it's just her outfit, not the character herself, but yes. So anyway, they need to find their allies who with the Crescent Moon, but in particular, they need to find three samurai, who are Kawamatsu, Denjiro, and Ashura Doji. Uh, that's all we find out about them, though, because then we cut to a bunch of thieves looting the village that Luffy just gave all the food to. Yep. They are led by a guy who I believe is Shuten Moru. Either that's his name or that's his group's name. I wasn't actually sure. I think it's both. Like, he named the group after himself. Like, I, it's Shuten Moru's bandits or whatever. Gotcha. Uh, he's been allowed to pillage the countryside because Kaido wants him as part of his pirate crew. Yep. Uh, but Jack from back in the Zoe arc shows up to stop him from basically robbing or to just confront him. I'm not really sure. He's looking for Luffy and he's like, hey. Have you seen Luffy? And he's yep. like, um, no. He's like, well, with me, that's Kung Fu fight. Yep. And this dude is a match for Jack, who, as we know from the last story, is super powerful. 
Yeah, he's at least a match for now. Jack hasn't transformed, obviously, yet. But he gave him a surprise. Like, Jack thought he had ended it in one blow, and he was like, never underestimate a true swordsman. But their fight is interrupted because Kaido shows up in the sky as a giant Shenron-esque dragon. Yep. And that's where the chapter leaves off, and it's pretty exciting. Yep. Trelfgar reveals that the giant dragon is Kaido to Luffy because they like they recognize the storm cloud swirling in the sky and are like, oh no, it's him. It's also very similar to Momonosuke's power. Yeah. So I wonder if they somehow have the same power and time travel has caused there to be two, or if Don Quixote just produced one like this. Yeah, I think it might be the smile fruit. Smile powers, whatever. It was a smile factory making yeah. the, the artificial devil fruits. That's what I was... Yeah, so it could be a weird time travel thing, but that wouldn't make sense because the fruit user has to die in order for it to manifest again. Well, normally, but what if the fruit doesn't know the difference between dying and disappearing for 20 years from the time stream? Well, I'm assuming it's something to do with like the energy of the person. So, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe they both have the same power or maybe there's different dragon powers like there are different versions of some of the same animals yeah uh because yeah, it's like these like this kind of dragon and moment in this case this kind of dragon yeah that's Th- totally possible but they do look very similar they're both like chinese style long dragons yep i just hope we get a dragon fight in this arc i don't think we're going to no we- probably not but but it'll I be hope. pretty cool all right so next we got the promised neverland chapter 108 you're not going anywhere which is basically just Yugo and Lucas continuing to kill a bunch of soldiers. Yep. It's, again, all one big fight scene, but Andrew has figured out who they are and what they're doing. Yep. He manages, or I guess his soldiers manage to injure Lucas, and Yugo has to drag him around. And Lucas is like, hey, abandon me. He's like, no way. Well, admittedly, he's like, I chose to abandon you once already, and I've been regretting it for the past, like, 13 years or however long it's been. So he's like, there is no way in hell I am doing that again. So I assume that's come up before, right? Yeah. The fact that it was before Lucas had been introduced, he was like, I abandoned everyone else that escaped with me to survive. And so we thought they had all died. So he was really surprised to find that Lucas had somehow made it out. Yeah, so they lure Andrew to the armory, basically, and they're too exhausted to fight, but there's a bunch of gas in there that's combustible, so they manage to make a big explosion and presumably kill all the people that were pursuing the children. I think well, it was just Andrew at that point I left. think he was the only one left. I think they got them all, is more what I meant. Yeah. And they're basically like, yeah, those children are going to screw up your worldview, and everything will be great. So it's a pretty fast chapter, which is why it's a pretty fast explanation. Seems like Hugo, Andrew, and Lucas are all dead. Although any of them could show up later, like I suggested earlier. Totally possible, but it does seem like they sacrifice themselves to save the children, and it wouldn't make sense to have that happen and then have Andrew be totally fine. No, but that's a very shonen anime thing to do. It is. That just happened in One Piece, and by just happened, I mean like a year ago now. But Yeah. Anything else you want to say about The Promised Neverland? It was a pretty quick chapter, because it was mostly fight scene. No, I think, like, it was pretty cool. There's some, there's the interesting bit with the explosion where you have kind of 10 seconds of like, oh no, they managed to take them out. And then it turned out the explosion wasn't as bad as they thought because they also didn't want to force a cave in and get stuck in the underground area. Yeah. So next we have the comic chapter two. And hey, 
guess who loved this comic about a guy who's writing a magical girl comic now? Yeah, that that <laughs> was a that was a real good twist. I don't even it's not even twist, it's the first page. It's just like, hey, my comic sucks and no one reads it, so it's about a magical girl now. Yep. And it's straight up the dark magician girl from Yukio, because again, this is written and drawn by that guy. Yeah. No, yeah. And uh she has her special power is revealing hidden truths. <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? And also, we found out last week that all of his plot got erased, so he had to come up with something new. Yeah, because so, uh, somebody broke in and stole his laptop. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what. We actually, before all this, we start with the other manga artist whose name is Tia Himakawa, who's the villain of this yep. series pretty clearly. We see he has all the surveillance photos of him from earlier. Yep, and he tells the guy to keep tailing him. Yeah, so basically he's a manga artist crime boss, streamer. Yes, I, I have trouble keeping three podcasts uh, straight, but... He was also the one that had the doll placed in the guy's room, so presumably he orchestrated the break-in Yeah, that had the doll placed in his room and his manga destroyed? Ruined? Deleted. Deleted. So anyway, it's almost Halloween, which I also love, and the main guy's like, ugh, Ryota Sakamaki, that's his name. I wrote it down. Yep. I wrote them all down this time. He's like, ugh, this is creepy, given that I am currently investigating a Halloween murder. Yep. But he overhears that Himikawa is doing a signing nearby. And also, he realizes in the background to his like big magical girl centerpiece that the background says to check uh, Prince Doll, Volume 3, Chapter 97 or Page 97? Page, page 97. Yeah, he notices that there are a bunch of arrows for all the signs. And so it's the first one says Prince, then it points to the next one that says Doll 3. And then 97 and his sister, he's like, Prince doll 397. What does that mean? And his sister's like, oh, well, Prince doll is the name of that. The villains. Himikawa. Himikawa. Himikawa's uh, manga. He's like, oh, and he's been hiding out in an Internet cafe because he's worried to go home. He also has the his sister's like, why don't you call the police? That would be too much of a bother. (laughs) That's a very what? Japanese mindset. That is a very Japanese mindset, but it's like, my home has literally been broken into. Like, I'm... a Batman villain is leaving pumpkin dolls in my home. Yeah, I'm calling the police. Like, I mean, the, Himikawa is basically an agent of shocker. He needs to call common Rider, not, <laughs> not at least the, the police. Yeah, but you, you inform the police, and then they call common Rider. you know? <laughs> yeah. You're like, if... Inspector Gordon can get Batman to show up and help you out much easier than you can get Batman to show up and help you out. Yeah, but it's more dramatic for the artist to draw if you turn on the bat signal and uh, Batman's like, what's up, Jim? And surprise, it's you. I mean, that would be pretty great. That that reveal happens all the time in comics. I know. (laughs) Anyway, though, he decides to go to the signing and he waits super long in line. He's the only guy who's there. Yep, and because it's super popular... Like you said, he waits a long time in line, and they mention they've only got like one a minute, minute per yeah, person. a minute per person for the signing. And Himikawa's like, "Oh, it's you!" And he's like, uh, "Have we met?" He's like, "Oh, definitely not. I don't have a creepy photo of you. Don't worry. Anyway, yep. please leave. I have signed your thing." And he's like, "Wait, here, here's page ninety-seven of volume three. The background is exactly the same as the one in my manga. So, Katsudo Baba, who apparently murdered a guy, must have been your assistant in the past." Dramatic cliffhanger. Yep. This is great. This is the best manga. Yep. Uh, I'm also wondering if I don't specifically remember the line, but um, the character in Prince Doll is saying something on that specific page, and I'm wondering if that 
will I, also be kind of important. Do you remember what he said? Like the gist of it? That didn't track for me. I didn't even notice. But it's just uh, you certainly have a lot of guts to keep a prince waiting. So maybe uh, maybe that doesn't mean something, or maybe it does. Who knows? But the background is what's important because yes. that's what uh, Baba draws. So yeah, I really like this comic. It's two chapters in a row now. Yeah, this I really this enjoyed. Was, this was really fun. I like the one of the scares that they're setting up is he notices there's a bunch of pumpkin balloons yeah. all over the place. And then when he gets to his house, there's a bunch of pumpkin balloons with the eyes crossed out like around his door. All right. So next up, we have Boruto Naruto Generations number 28 flowers. You Isn't it Boruto Next Generations? No, it's Boruto colon Naruto Next Generations. Oh, okay. No, okay. You know, it's like the high school here. So our... Yeah. Star Trek The Next Generation. There, that's the obvious one to go for. Yep. So this is one that I haven't read at all. Me either. I'm vaguely aware of it. I was a huge Naruto fan. But when it was done, I was kind of relieved it was done. I felt like it kind of overstayed its welcome. Just a little bit, yeah. I did actually like the one story that the original author wrote and drew about Sadara and Naruto like saving her. I read that and really enjoyed it. But yeah. I haven't read any actual Boruto, so. Is this based on the anime or the other way around? Do you know? I think the anime is based on this. I'm not sure, though. The anime definitely has more than 28 episodes. So maybe it's the other way around, and so they got an anime adaptation because Naruto was super popular, and then they did a manga adaptation because the anime got popular, which does happen sometimes. Yeah, especially with franchises that are based on old Shonen Jump properties. Yep. Although usually it's a light novel that will go to anime and then get a manga that happens backwards. Sometimes it's light novel to manga to anime as well. So I was kind of dreading reading this because, like I said, I was kind of done with Naruto. Yeah. But I was also kind of pleasantly surprised by it. It's just like an almost slice of life chapter. Yeah. It was something Naruto itself was really missing. It's about cool Hokage Naruto leading this character, Kawaki, who... I guess Boruto and Sadara rescued at some point. I'm not really sure what the context is. I think I, Na- I think it. Naruto was also there for the rescue because they noticed. I was reading in the last time on that Kawaki has the same symbol that Boruto has on his hand, which confused me. I don't know why Boruto has a symbol on his hand. I don't either. I haven't been reading. But yeah, they were like, "Oh yeah, it's got the same symbol on his hand as Boruto," so Naruto's protecting him. So like, coming into this, it's all right. This Kawaki guy is important yeah and somehow he's, he's living with naruto and he broke a vase and boruto's pissed off at him so yep. naruto's just like walking around trying to teach him how to chill because he has very clear like ptsd problems yeah and is very antisocial. yeah uh, they bump into sadara they have some sweets they buy a vase from Eno, and yep. naruto just tries to get him to chill yeah well then they have the the weird he gets he sees the flowers going into the vase the flower stems transform into like injection tubes and he sees a face in the water of the vase and flips out, dropping the vase, shattering it. And we get a little bit of his inner monologue and find out he has survivor's guilt over something and feels like he should have died along yeah, he, with a bunch of other children. Yeah, it sounds like he was like a test subject maybe or something like that because like I'm thinking it was all the other children were they were being tested on and he was the only guy who made it out. He also has a weird arm growth ability like it almost looks like like sasuke's curse form to use for two minutes like maybe that kind of it might just be a similar art style it might also have been i 
I catch bits and pieces about Boruto. It also might have been the white Zetsu. Yeah, okay. That, that was a thing that too. that was a thing that I think was important in Boruto. So it might be he's got Zetsu DNA, or because it was like I remember reading Zetsu existed before the Sage of the Six Paths or whatever. So anyway, they get home. Kawaki gives the vase to Boruto, and Boruto responds by just putting super glue in his hands. Yeah, and he's like, "You know how to use it, right?" Which is a pretty sick burn. Yep. Uh, and then we get a cliffhanger of some guys infiltrating Konoha to come after Kawaki. Yep. Oh, and they mentioned that Konoha has an intelligence web that will track the chakras of beings entering Konoha. And so if you uh, have never been there before, you will get immediately red flagged because it's a new chakra. And so he's like, you stay here. And then he jumps in. So clearly he's been there before. Yeah. For some for some reason. Which is a pretty good cliffhanger. I was yeah. not expecting to like this, but I actually kinda did. It might just be a real good jumping on point. Yeah, it was really cool. It's like, oh, I want to find out about this Kawaki kid. I I just like cool Hokage Naruto just going around saying hi to people, helping with kids' problems. Well, I also like that Kawaki is like, Do you normally do this? He's like, Ah, yeah. And then everyone's <laughs> like, Lord Seventh, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, clearly he does not. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to We Never Learn, Chapter 84. A question 84, I'm sorry. (gasps) A certain book alludes to a predecessor's ex? Yeah, the titles are getting weird. They started weird. Yeah, they did start weird. I I guess... I have to read them out loud now, so you have to confront the fact that they're weird. Yeah, because I just kind of ignored them. I mean, most of the time they're in, like, tiny print, so it's it's more about the art than the chapter name. Anyway... Anyway, last week I said that I realized that We Never Learn is Archie. I was wrong. This week I realized it's a Bud Light commercial, and <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! is just too young to drink yet. Yeah. So this chapter is all about Yu-Gi-Oh! Sensei, whose name is never said in this chapter, so no, I don't have it. It's... I think we know it. I mean, yeah, we do know it, but I can't remember it because he just calls her Sensei all the time because it would be impolite to use her first name. Anyway, she's doing random bag searches at school and confiscating things. Yep. And she ends up with a romance manga uh, from a character. Do we know that character or is it just some random girl? Because I didn't recognize her, but I also... We might know her a little bit. She's definitely like a super side character that like might have been named at some point. But I think she's mainly just like, it's one of the classmates that like we were introduced to, but have no idea who they are. So anyway, she accidentally brings the manga home and starts reading it. I was like, oh, this is super far-fetched which, yeah. because it's about a student and a teacher. Yeah, there's and, no way these situations would happen in real life. Yeah, and like the teacher has to like bandage one of the student's wounds and then she fall- almost falls down some stairs, but he catches her. Yeah, and then he gets wet and she's, uh, your biceps make my heart pound. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, man, this is crazy. And then Yu-Gi-Oh shows up and is like, hey, do you need some help cleaning? No, he showed up, he had a bunch of, like, oh, yeah. pears or something. He was like, hey, this was a gift from somebody, but it's way too much for us to eat. Did you want some? And he also showed up with the secret goal of, it was like, it was about that time to clean, huh? And she's like, I've been keeping this place tidy, just slipped away from me. Even though they're wading through trash bags, yes. as she says this. And he somehow steps on a vegetable grater, which she just, like, had on the floor. Yeah. So she has to bandage his wound because he stepped on a vegetable grater. Yep. And she's thinking, man, this is a weird coincidence. Yep. So then she goes to, like, 
change a light bulb and is standing on a table and he's like, you know, what? I could do that. He's like, no, you're, in, you're injured. Let me do it. And she falls and she starts fantasizing about him catching her like in the yep. manga, but then she just falls on him. She specifically sits on his head. Yes. As he, well, of she course. Falls down. Yep. Uh, there are a lot of shots of her butt if you were worried that there weren't. Yep. Then she, like, trying to get up, accidentally turns on the shower and he gets all wet. Yep. So then he's all wet and he has to take his shirt off and he tells her to close her eyes and she starts like, Fanta's like, no, you're my student, but he's just killing a spider. Yeah, and she's, like, deathly afraid of spiders, so uh. that's why he's like, Sensei, close your eyes, kills it, and is like, no, don't open your eyes yet, because she notices the dead spider and still freaks out. Yeah. And so then the comic ends with her returning the manga to the girl and saying, wow, that was surprisingly realistic. Well, there was also the part where he starts studying in oh, her yeah. apartment, and he's oh, like, yeah. I've grown really relaxed studying at your place. And she was like, that was the closest one yet, because there was a line <laughs> in the comic that's like, I'm really relaxed at your place, Sensei. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and the girl's just like, realistic what? Yeah, realistic for who? Yeah, I, I thought this was pretty great. Again, I rather like We Never Learned. This was a pretty good one, too. Uh, which dovetails us into Hunter Hunter Chapter 385, Warning. Yep. Maybe I understood this one? Yeah, I mean, there was stuff going on from the last chapter in this one, so... Yeah, and from, like, three chapters ago, or two yep. chapters ago as well. So, uh, I don't know anyone's names, so that's a problem, because they're all just prints, and... Yeah, and most of the time they just refer to them by, like, what prints they are, like, fourth prints, first prints, whatever. Fresh prints. Yeah, I'm just, I'm very bad with names, and there's a lot of them here, so I, if I really need to, I will get on a wiki and just spend some time figuring it out. So the prince is training, and the person training him wants to kill him, right? I'm correct about that? Yeah, she realizes that he's super dangerous. Like, he was dangerous before he learned Nen, and now that he's learning it, he's even more dangerous. So she's like, I need to kill him, but I can't because his guardian spirit beast will kill me if I try. She would been trying to figure out a way around that. All right. So anyway, the hunter who was playing the music from a few chapters ago, that's happening now. Yep. So these are concurrently happening. So somehow she is able to be immune to that or like fight through it or something. I don't think so. Like uh, I, the way I took it is she's trying to shoot the prince while it's happening. That's the way I read The it. way I took it is, is she shot the prince and then it happened. Gotcha. Because he was lying down in the field of flowers that signified it was Melody's song. So I think what happened was she shot the prince, and then when the song ended, he, was, he wasn't he was where he was, and she was super confused, so maybe he had a way of nullifying it? Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, she's super confused. His, like, spirit beast is like, hey, if you lie, you're going to be marked forever. Yep. And then, like, we cut to her talking to someone else with a weird mark on her face. And he's yep. saying, hey, if you act against the prince now, you're going to lose your stuff and be under his control. So yep. you have to sit tight and I'll try to do something. Oh, by the way, while you're sitting tight, can you come up with a plan for me? She's <laughs> like, you idiot. That was, that was that was a great way to level joke to end it on. Yeah, I understood this one, at least, I think. Yeah. I did a concise plot summary. That's more than I've been able to do before with this series. Yeah, it was interesting, but. I'm still, there's like a lot going on. Yeah. So it's like some weeks, like this week was better than some others where it's like, all right, we're just focusing on, I think this is the fourth prince, I want to say. I'm not sure on that. And I'm probably wrong, but we're, we just focused on him and, you know, the events happening around him. So that was nice where 
I'm not jumping around going like, all right, I can't remember all these people because Hunter x Hunter has been going on for quite a while. So it's got a great big backlog of characters, too, that I remember more because, like, I saw the anime involving them versus this obviously haven't hasn't had uh, an anime yet. adaptation yet. Yeah. yeah. So that brings us to Dr. Stone Z equals 79 for this very moment. And this is moving at a brisk pace now, huh? Yeah, this is chugging along there. It seems like it is pivoting into another story rather than winding down now, but yeah. this could also be just building to another climax. It could be. So they use the miracle fluid on Mirai, who is Sukasa's sister, Subasa. I think it's Sukasa. Sukasa's sister. And now she's fine. Yep. And she's like, oh man, how long was I out? And he's like, six years. Six. A thousand, thousand years. years. Like a thousand Compl- years. It's complicated. Uh, but before they can explain it to her, one of the other guys is like, hey, we're missing some of the dynamite. Like, and we were keeping a real close eye on that. Yep. And then we cut to this person stealing it, and I have no idea who this person is or, like, what's going on with that. He was the prison guard for Chrome, the, the like, Stone Age science guy, the scavenger guy. Yeah. He was the prison guard for him, and he escaped because since Chrome escaped, he was going to die, so he faked his own death so that Tsukasa wouldn't kill him. Gotcha. For failing. Gotcha. So now he's trying to make up for it by stealing the dynamite or yeah well he was or is he the one who actually stole the dynamite is this a different story because that's what i thought i was supposed to take from it no he was the one who actually or no it wasn't him so he meets up with the girl that the villagers had captured earlier that had initially been sent to spy on them who's like super stealthy gotcha and she's the one who could do it yeah so she's the one who stole the dynamite but he's the one who freed her gotcha so so that it could happen that could happen yep gotcha So they use the dynamite to blow up the cave with all the miracle fluid. Yep. And while everyone's trying to figure out what's going on, uh, Sukasa's number two guy, whose name I don't know. Gen? Gen? I want to say. That sounds like a villain name. Attacks Mirai, so Sukasa will jump in the way and he can kill him because it was the only way you could think of to hurt him. So, twist, he was eviler all along. Yeah. I mean, that kind of made sense. Like, Sukasa at least had a purpose. It wasn't so much that he was a villain. It was more that he was the antagonist. You know, it's like, I know there there's a lot of people that it's like, oh, well, their their viewpoints are just different. But he, he had a goal. He was sticking to it. It was just different than Senku's. So he was more the antagonist than the villain. Gen seems like the villain of like, I just wanted to hurt people. Speaking of hurting people, next we have Black Clover, page 178, Human Magic. Yep. And I swear, I'm trying to like Black Clover. I really am. I really want to. But this was more confusing than Hunter x Hunter to me this week. And I read it twice. I could see that. It's because they're relying on the guy with the weird face. And I didn't know if he was a good guy or a bad guy. There, or... There's a whole thing about that in the arc previous to this one. So his name is Zora, right? I think so. The, okay, so I have a note that says who is Zora, but I think it's him. Yeah, I th- I think that's his name. Anyway, what's up? Tell me a bit about his deal. So he is actually a magic knight of the Black Bulls that none of the other members besides the captain knew about. Okay. Like the captain had like recruited him and um, he was the son of a common born magic knight. And his his dad was basically during a mission was like left there by the royals. Because they were like, ah, he's just a common born anyway. It doesn't matter. So he's grown up with a hatred for the royals. Gotcha. Um, 
And so he's, that's why he was screaming, like, I can't believe I'm doing better than you Royals. Because he's, he's constantly like that. He's just been very mean-spirited yeah. about everything. His magic is trap magic. So he can set traps on the walls, uh, in the air and stuff. And his traps, one of the big things that they can do is he's got the counter trap. He will reflect back and double any spell used against the counter trap. The downside is, is it takes a while to set up. So he uses a spell to show Nozzle and Noel where all his traps are. Yep. And like they shoot their magic at the counter traps to reflect it back at the elves. Is that what's yes, going on? Yeah. Okay. Reflect it back at the elves. So they're like, hi, you missed. And the one guy's like, a spell of this magnitude won't defeat me. And it's like, well, let's shoot it back double. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't get any of that. I just got a whole bunch of lines on the paper that yeah. looked like a whole bunch of magic effects. And we also get like a flashback to, I think, Nozzle talking to his mom about how you know, he's the only one in their family who can control metal. Is that yeah. what was going on there? Yeah. So, yeah, everyone else's magic in the family is water aspected, but no, no Nozzle? No, that's not right. Noel? No, yeah, it is Nozzle. Nozzle's the one with the mercury power. Is Nozzle? Yeah. I thought Nozzle was the the other one. Like I the think cousin. that's solid. Maybe. I'm not sure. There was a character named Solid, and I'm like, well, oh, no, I think is it he was Kojima getting involved now. Yeah. Anyway, the the captain has the the mercury power because he inherited his mother's steel aspect. I liked this chapter. You definitely need the backstory in order to get a lot of what's going on. Like when he's explaining the elves don't understand human magic because the trap magic is something that is very smart and it's not necessarily powerful, but it's something that he has utilized. Like he even mentions, man, you royals and your crazy powers. Yeah. He's like, I wish I had cool, crazy powers. Yeah. I wish I was a Neji. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's got, he's got his traps and it's like, yeah, this is what I've got, but I've learned how to use it super effectively. So I have to learn to manipulate my opponents to bring them into battlefields I set up so that he's like, I've set, you know, gazillions of traps or whatever he says. He's like, I've sent hundreds of traps up around here. So just lead them however you want. Yeah. And like they can see them all because of the spell he cast on them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's used that before. And and again, I did like the generic Shonen stuff. I did get the feeling that he was like teasing them about his past like problems. And this is like a step for him kind of getting over them. Yeah, and that's that's been happening for a while now cuz initially he just he showed up and was almost ready to kill any royal that he came in contact with. I also I really like his appearance, the his it's a mask that he's wearing but the the like tape wrapped around his lower jaw with the the sharp canines. It's definitely I, a strong character design. I'll give yeah. you that. Yeah, so I like his appearance. I do like this chapter, but I do understand with you not having any of the backstory of like who this guy is, you know, how he feels and how his magic works, you kind of lost a lot of the impact. All right, so next we have Food Wars chapter 284, The Chef at Death's Doorstep. This is basically another sort of setup chapter, but it does move the plot along a little bit. It yeah. basically introduces the first cooking challenge that they have to pass. Specifically, uh, they're split up into groups, so Soma and his friends are in different yeah, contests, uh, and we Soma, only see Soma's. Yeah, Soma, Aldini, and Todoroki, which are his two friends. I'm hoping we'll see the other contests like after this one is finished, but like you said, right now we're just following Soma. 
So Soma has to create a dish that is fit to be the last meal for a dying member of the Chef Noir, who was a World War II vet. Yep. Who then became a mafia chef. They have two hours to make something and like a five minute interview period for him. Yep. So a whole bunch of Japanese chefs are like, oh, wh- where did you grow up? And they try to make food like from his region, but they're all failed for yep. doing that. Before even before the guy even tastes their dish. Yeah. Whereas the Chef Noir are making all these super crazy dishes that would like murder an old man the moment he ate them. Yeah. Because they're like 90% fat, 10% MSG, but they all pass. Yeah. And one of the Noirs explains that this is like, this guy used to be a Chef Noir. Of course, he doesn't want to eat some bland thing that reminds him of home. He wants to eat a dish with all of the passion that you can put into it so that he's like, ah, now that I've eaten this, I can die happy. Yeah, and the same guy is like looking at Soma. Is like, ah, he like realizes something's up. Yeah, before even everybody was shown failing, Soma was like, huh, something seems off about this, because the noir guy noticed that all the regular chefs were freaking out, and he's like, ah, only the noirs are playing it cool. Oh wait, there's that kid over there. He's also remaining relaxed and calm. Maybe something will happen with him. And the noir guy is also like, huh, it's almost like this is rigged in our favor. Weird. Yep. So he's not in on it if it is, but it definitely seems like something's going on at the contest. Yeah. At the same time, I do understand, like, it doesn't feel underhanded, like, only the Noirs could get this. Yes. It does feel like they, like, don't even have to think about it, though. Yeah. Like, it's playing into their strengths. Yeah, it was probably, it's probably set up to get them through the early challenges, but at the same time, weed out people that it's like, come on, does, come on, does somebody really want, you know egg ramen for their last meal like yeah. no you want something fun you don't want you know this oh, i want bit the my grandmother's biscuits all right so that leads us to the final story in the volume Yu-Gi-Oh! arc 5 scales 39 across time and space which speaking of boruto earlier i'm pretty sure that Yu-Gi-Oh! arc 5 anime is already wrapped up and this is based on that Totally possible. I'm not 100% sure, but I did once look into pendulum summoning, and it's like, you know, in the Lovecraft mythos, how there are, like, irregular angles that are impossible? Yep. Pendulum summoning is a game mechanic like that, as far as I'm concerned. Like, when I am reading the rules of pendulum summoning, I understand it. As soon as I look away, it leaves my mind. Like, the silence from Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, I played barely when it's kind of when it was yeah. starting. So you don't even know about synchro summoning. No, I, I got out of it very quickly because I got into other games. I watched all, pretty much all of the original Yu-Gi-Oh! I didn't see the last arc. I should because it's about an evil RPG and that's way up my alley. But I I remember I watched a bunch of it, but it was the four kids dub. Yeah. So I lost out on a bunch, but I did get the pointing invisible guns at people or just pointing at them because <laughs> their fingers were extended. I dipped in and out of GX a little bit and same with the on motorcycles one. That's a name I can't think of right now. Yeah, I saw episodes I like I would see them pop up and be like, oh, it's Yu-Gi-Oh. I, I, I kind of know what's going on. So this one we open in the middle of a duel between Yuya. Yeah, Yuya. Yuya. The main character, who's not Yuzu, the other character. Yep. Who's battling Eve, I think, who is possessed by God, with an acronym, of course, for Genesis Omega Dragon. Yeah. And she's trying to reunite with Adam somehow. Yep, through a a rift in time, we find out. And Yuya is trying to defeat her in a duel. And basically, this is entire 
exactly a I knew that you would know that I would knew that et cetera, et cetera thing. Yes. That it might have been set up earlier, but it's pretty boring because it's really just the interaction between two cards. It's not like they're revealing more face down traps or setting up any of the tension that made like Yu-Gi-Oh! battles interesting in my opinion. It's just like these two cards they both have that have like ten effects each. Yeah, and that's that's honestly why Yu-Gi-Oh! started losing me is like literally they're like, Oh yeah, well my card has this super high attack power and this effect, but also this effect, and then when you do this, it has this effect. It's like I seriously? Like can you can you even read the text on that card? Well, uh, those cards don't have text. They have exclamation points, and that's it. And you yeah. have to intuit. That's why no one knows what other people's cards do. Yeah, that was always something that as a guy who plays card games, collectible card games like that, it always bothered me watching the anime because clearly they're playing a completely different game than I am. That or they are the luckiest people on the planet. Because like, if you broke down Yugi's deck from the original anime, it would be like 200 cards that make absolutely no sense unless you draw them in the perfect order. To be fair, Yugi does switch up his deck a couple of times. He does. So like, it's actually more reasonable than that because there's a small card pool that he uses. So if you assume he has three copies of everything in his deck, which I don't, more reasonable. It, it but he doesn't it... draw duplicates like ever. So yeah, that's why that's <laughs> why it feels like he only has one ofs, and it's like, oh, good thing these work only in this specific situation, which has just happened to come up. And so like, there's the, a lot of that. The heart of the cards, man, that guy is the <laughs> luckiest dude on the planet, or the best shuffler on the planet, except the decks are auto-shuffled, so maybe he's the best hacker on the planet, <laughs> so he hacked his dual disc to give him the perfect hand every time. So, God being an acronym for Genesis Omega Dragon is straight up my stuff, but this chapter still completely lost me. The, like, what happened last time, it's like, yeah, Yuya is fighting God. I'm like, really? <laughs> That's where I'm jumping in? Yuya is fighting God for the sake of Eve? Come on now. I don't want Christian allegory in my Yu-Gi-Oh! story. Oh, I love when they inappropriately appropriate Christian myth. It's my favorite. And by they, I mean anyone? Yeah. Didn't super care for this, which I think is a good transition into our ranking segment. This is Jump Card. All right, there was no My Hero Academia this week, so our lists are going to just be numbers, and they should be in sync this time. Yep. So do you want to go first, Kevin? Sure. So number 10 was Yu-Gi-Oh. I had no idea what was going on. Like you said, it was like, oh yeah, so it's just basically Yu-Gi-Oh's dragon card that I immediately forgot the name of, but it's some weird kind of uh, dragon. God-Eyes Pendulum Dragon. There you go. Versus Nova Pendulum or something like that, which was some weird pendulum summoning card that god was using and it, like that's all it was it was just these two cards interacting for the entire chapter and yuya comes out on top because he was like oh yeah i forgot about that special effect psych no i didn't i was waiting for it yeah i was able to follow what was going on in Yu-Gi-Oh arc 5 it just wasn't interesting like i said it's just these two cards playing back and forth yeah and they have all these different effects and uh, it's just 
it doesn't have the tension of putting on a face down card and then it's a trap card. So at number nine, I have Black Clover because like I said, I just had a real tough time following it. I want to like Black Clover. And after talking about it with Kevin each week, I like each chapter more than my initial impression. But the art is just almost impossible for me to follow. And this chapter was real confusing because I didn't know who anyone was except Noel and Nozzle. But yeah, it's very busy. And I think a lot of it is everyone's magic is distinct from an art perspective. So because I've seen them when they're just like earlier chapters, will just have this guy's magic versus in a big battle where you have like this guy's magic interacting with the enemy's magic, interacting with his allies magic. So there's like just a bunch of stuff on the page, which I totally understand. This is a very there's some very busy battle scenes of like hundreds of hail bullet things and a water dragon being reflected by a pentagram like spell trap. Like there's just a lot going on on that page. Uh, so I do understand where you're coming from with that. Uh, my number nine was Hunter x Hunter. I still do really like Hunter x Hunter, but it's still in the mystery phase. And there wasn't like there was an interesting mystery presented if with the the prince being shot and then suddenly being fine it's like how did he do that but it just didn't grab me as much as some of the other chapters did yeah and hunter hunter's my number eight so what's your number eight my number eight was dr stone like i said last week the turn really got me and so like you said this might be the turn into making and i believe his name is gen the new villain and they're going to be fighting against him and that could be really cool or this could just be like we want you know another climax that first climax was pretty lame, so I understand that desire at least. Yeah, and I do get that, and they're trying to set up, because the first climax was, like I said, is really more of an antagonist, so with him kind of being converted to the protagonist side, it was like, well, I mean, he was a really relatable dude, and it, it he wasn't relatable in the I love to hate this kind of guy. It was more like, I mean, I can honestly kind of understand his position a little bit, it's not my personal position, but I understand his, you know, the trappings of society definitely have downsides. So he's like, maybe we can avoid that with my kingdom of strength. And we have no idea what Gen's motivation is. My guess is he's just going to want to take over, but it could be more complicated than that. It he could hasn't be. had a time to exposit yet. Yep. That'll be next chapter. So my number seven is Boruto. Like I said, I enjoyed it actually a lot more than I expected to. I mean, it is kind of disposable, ultimately. I would still kind of almost prefer it wasn't happening, just because if I had time to miss Naruto, I might actually want some more. Yep. But I was pleasantly surprised by what we got in it. Yeah, my number seven was also Boruto, like you said. It was actually a pretty good chapter. It's more of that slice of life kind of thing going on. Then there's no big battle sequences. They're not explaining ninjutsu or some of these powers. It's just like, ah, it's just like Naruto walking around. It's just characters working together and like yeah. all four of the features characters Sadara, naruto boruto and a guy whose name i can't remember because he's new kawaki kawaki like they all seem to advance like a little bit maybe not naruto because he's such a set in stone character but yeah he at least gets to interact and it's cool yeah uh, my th- number six was dr stone like last week i think i'm giving it more of the benefit of the doubt than you are uh it is definitely moving at a weird quick pace and I hope it settles into something soon, but yep. I was, I'm more interested, I think, in where it's going. My number six was The Promised Neverland. I did kind of, I like this chapter. I like some of the, oh no, did they manage to defeat Yu-Gi-Oh and Lucius? Oh, they actually had tricked him. The fact that Yugo was like, he got presented with the same situation of, I abandoned you 13 years in the past to save myself. 
there's no way I'm doing that again, even at the cost of my own life. I'd literally rather die than abandon you. So if we get out of here, we're going out of here together. And if not, we're going down together. Yeah, my number five was The Promised Neverland. And I did like it. Uh, that just I liked it less than previous chapters, I think, because like I said last week, I don't think like gunfight scenes are really this artist's forte. No, even though this one was a bit better. Yeah, it, there were still like confusing moments and nothing really stood out. And while Andrew has been an effective villain, he's only been around for like three chapters. So yep. the two guys sacrificing themselves to kill him didn't really mean as much to me. It was just kind of a downer. Yeah, I can understand that. And I do understand the confusing because I I think he was going for it, but he didn't quite nail the Hugo and Lucas look very similar to the other soldiers because they're all wearing the same gear and it covers up their face and most of their body. So they look very similar. Yeah. So it's kind of that movie. All right, we're going to have a gunfight with like a hundred cuts in it. Yeah. It's like, I can't. I can't follow what's going on. Like, I really like fight scenes where it's, all right, I've got either a stationary camera or it's like a single long continuous cut through this fight scene. It looks amazing. It sucks when it's like, all right, guy punching, cut, guy getting hit. You don't cut. like that Born Identity editing style that was no. super big in the late 2000s. No, because it, it's just, I like being able to track what's going on. And I feel like just adding a bunch of cuts means you don't have to choreograph anything. So you don't you don't need some guy trying to figure out how this is going to look cool on the screen. You're just like, all right, we'll just have you do a punch and then we'll have you get hit by a punch and we'll have, you know, this thing happen. You're like, all right, so people are shooting. I don't even know who's who because they're all dressed very similarly. Like, I don't know who the bad guys are, who the good guys are. I just see people getting shot and I don't know whether to cheer or be scared. So what do you got at number five? So my number five was Black Clover. I like this chapter a lot better than you because I had a bit more of the backstory behind it. I do really like the trap guy's character. His character design is very cool. I like the fact that his magic, he has to be very smart with it. It's kind of got that I'm not as powerful as some other people, but I can be just as strong as you are as long as I work harder than you do. And it does seem like it has the pieces that if you knew what his powers were, like they've made a very effective plan all of a sudden. That yeah. you understand what's going to happen. Yeah. But and for he, me, it was just I, noise. I totally get that. It's it's very busy artwork, especially with a lot of the fluid magic. It's not like, so Asta's magic is he's got a sword. So he's it's a sword fight. He's not creating this giant water dragon that's flying at your opponents. And you're like, man, that just takes up so much space on the page. Uh, there's a bunch of fluids rushing around. Or I'm able to attack from multiple angles. and like you said, it probably would look better animated because you'd be able to differentiate by colors of things. It'd probably look better in motion. Yeah, I think it would. I still really liked it, but it wasn't my favorite chapter this week either. So my number four is Food Wars. I did like the chapter quite a bit, like I said, but it is ultimately just set up. We're just like showing what the challenge for Soma to overcome is. And it seems like he's going to do it pretty easily. I could be wrong about that. Yep. But it seems like it's just a setup knockdown sort of thing, and we're in the setup phase, which it hasn't impressed me over much. It is a cool setup. It kind of creates a feeling of dread for the rest of the contest. Like, is the whole thing going to be rigged, or is it just this one? Yep. And all the Chef Noir are getting through, but the normal ones aren't, so it's going to be a lot more, like, combative later on. Yep. But it does feel like it's pretty much still in the introductory phases of the arc. Yep. My number four was also Food Wars. Just like you said... It's kind of a bit more setup. I definitely like, and Food Wars has constantly done this, 
where you have all these amazing chefs and they're shown to be just as panicky as regular people except for the the main characters because it's like all right so these are the totsky students so clearly they they're amazing chefs on their own right but compared to the main characters they're panicky and they don't think as well so they had that versus the noirs and soma i definitely like the fact that soma is more irritated at the challenge itself like clearly he figured out it his isn't just going to be i'm going to present my signature disc to this guy and he's going to be like oh that was cool you pass i feel like he's going to actually affect the guy in yeah. some way during his food battle. It does seem like he's going to try to be like, yeah, instead of something to be his last meal, I'm going to try to make something that'll like make him want to keep living. Yeah. Or, yeah that definitely that, seems like the twist they're setting up. Yeah, but, and that, that was the that was the feeling I got was like he was pissed off. He was like, what last meal? How dare you? No one eats their last meal. This is one piece. No one dies. Yep. Except Ace and Pedro. Yeah. And Whitebeard, I guess. No one liked him. I liked Whitebeard. I did too. I was like, Whitebeard was awesome. What are you talking about? Edward Newgate is the man. So my number three was We Never Learn. Okay. It was, uh, like you said, a pretty good chapter of We Never Learn, which is going to rank high for me. Yep. I, I guess the problem with We Never Learn is that it's a pretty basic kind of formula. It's just like yep. some good jokes and some pretty art. So like you have to kind of get above it to be really good in my head. But it was a pretty good chapter. So that's where I put it. My number three was One Piece. I did really like this chapter. The reveal of Kaido being a dragon was really cool. But there was just a bit of a disconnect of like, I knew he'd be in explaining the plan, but because of the week break in between the explanation, it felt like when I first started reading this, I was like, wait, did I like miss a panel on last week's chapter? And we're, we're suddenly talking about something else. Like, obviously we hadn't. And I, I very quickly got back on that. But just the, the very first thing was, did I, did I miss a week or did I, am I not remembering the last panels correctly? So my number two was one piece. The start wasn't a problem for me. We like, it just felt like we'd picked up. Yeah. After a week, the battle between Jack and Shoten Maru yep. was cool because we know Jack's super powerful. So like this, it's yeah. a cool way to introduce this new guy and he could be friend or foe. Yeah. And the Kaido reveal at the end is a really cool cliffhanger. And that really made me want to see the next chapter. It was still my top three, so I get where you're going with that. My number two was We Never Learn. I really liked this chapter. I really liked the romance novels will never happen in real life, and then they, of course, immediately happen. And I realize it's a basic formula, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. It still made my top three as yep. well. So so both of our number ones then was the comic, yep. because it's very good. Yeah, I mean, man, that was there were some great reveals in that. There was some great moments of tension. There's, of course, the trope that it bothers me, but I understand why it's there of uh, I'm not going to contact the authorities or like a person in charge or, you know, somebody better equipped to deal with this situation. I'm going to do it myself. There's already a detective character in play, so he could come into it as well, either working for Himikawa or later on they could team up. Yeah. And when he so has more evidence. I can I can see that and I could see him coming in, but it was just the fact of like, I'm not going to contact the police. That's too much of a bother. And it just. It's that thing that stories where people are sensible generally aren't good. And I understand that. So it's like, it bothers me from a perspective of like, why are you being such an idiot? But I understand why stories have to do stuff like that in order to, you know, the horror movie where everybody is sensible is lame because nothing happens. There's like, there's a crazy killer on the loose. We contacted the police and didn't go into the house. The end. Yeah. But even 
taking a step back from that, that didn't bug me that much in this because he seems like the kind of young guy who wouldn't call the police anyway. I like, yeah. I feel like I'm that way too. Like, yeah, no, I can deal with this problem. That would be yeah. Too and much I guess of a I'm, I'm not the guy that's like, no, I'm not. Like, there there are definitely problems that I can deal with myself, but I also understand. For a lot of things, I've had people tell me, oh, you're an engineer. You can figure this thing out. Yeah. The engineer in me tells me to go get somebody who knows what the hell they're doing because I could break it worse. Now, I could probably fix it, but that's too much of a hassle. I'm just going to get the guy who knows what he's doing and let him do it. Uh, plus, there's a magical girl in this comic now, and that's uh, that's always going to score points with Jeremy. It that was li- definitely a good twist. And it literally has the line, it's almost Halloween, which will also get points with Jeremy, especially when it's almost Halloween. Yeah, that was very good timing. I wonder how long this is going to go, though. Like, it's moving at a pretty brisk pace, so, like, I feel like next chapter could be the end. I don't think it will be. But Maybe? Like, I mean, it might be, like, it might be, like, ten chapters, yeah. or... I know it's a limited release, so it might just be, like, five, maybe. I just... What I more meant was any chapter feels like it could be the last one coming up. Yeah. Just because of how quickly it's moving. Yeah. But that isn't a bad thing. No. All right, so there was no My Hero Academia in Shonen Jump this week, but that's fine, because we read volume one of My Hero Academia for the podcast, and we'll be talking about that after the break. Alright, so we read Volume 1 of My Hero Academia by Hori Korihoshi, whose name I hope I'm saying right. I could not find any YouTube videos of people pronouncing it. Yeah, we're probably butchering it with our uh, English tongues, but whatever. The last two ones, I listened to people saying them out loud, and so I'm fairly confident in them. Nice. So My Hero Academia, do we want to talk about our history with it briefly? It's kind of the reason we're doing this podcast, right? Yeah, basically. I mean, you only read Shonen Jump because you were more interested in My Hero Academia. I guess not only, but it was the main factor. That was the main factor because I had been reading scans of some of the manga that were in Shonen Jump. I had been reading One Piece. I had been reading Hunter x Hunter. But My Hero Academia was what made me get a Shonen subscription because one of the scanned copies of My Hero Academia that I was reading was like, hey, Shonen Jump is only 25 bucks a year. You should really support the authors by buying this. Yeah, and Shonen Jump is what really got me back into anime after a bit of a cool period. I've been kind of ramping back into it all year, and I was never away from it completely. But I wanted to watch something, decided to watch My Hero Academia, and got really, really into it. So I'm not sure if it's a chicken or an egg thing, if that's just what I happened to find when I wanted to get into something, or if it's really good. I suspect it's a bit of column A and a bit of column B. Yeah, because it's, it's really solid. And I was a little worried the manga might not be as good as the anime, and that was pretty quickly assuaged as I started reading it. Yeah. Because while I have watched every episode of the anime out so far, I've not read a panel of the manga before now. Yep. One of the things I was really interested in as someone who has watched the anime but not read the manga is all the like weird, like close-to-copyright problem stuff in this. Yeah. Like Saying close-to-copyright problems is a little excessive. But it's clearly stuff that the anime was like, ooh, let's not open that potential legal problem that yep. the manga was more open with. There's this really great panel early on 
of a bunch of characters in silhouette, and you can see it's clearly Spider-Man and Superman and Wolverine and Kamen Rider and yes. Ultraman. And one that I think is supposed to be Batman, but he looks a little demony for that, so I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, he might have modified it to because like Batman is constantly in silhouette, so that That's true. That's made it's a lot of sense now that you say that out loud. Yeah. And there's a bit much later on where they're explaining the test to get into UA Academy, and it's very video gamey. And that's yep. very clear in the anime. But yep. in the manga, it's straight up like has silhouettes of Goombas and Koopa Troopas and He's like, hey, did you ever play Super Mario Bros? The fourth enemy is like the thwomp. You can't really kill it. You're just supposed to avoid it. Yep. Which, again, is hinted at in the anime, but it straight up says it here, which is pretty cool. I really like the fact that the first author's note that he made was, I made this manga for myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, more than for fans. He's like, this is my third serialized manga, so this is for me. I am not doing this to make money. I'm like, obviously, he's glad that he's making money off of it, but I'm making this manga for myself. I am not making it to make money. So I feel like that that's honestly what's made me like it so much is that he is not going to compromise. Oh, hey, survey groups showed that we like this thing or the editor might say this guy looks silly and he'll he'll much more fight against his editor. Be like, no, he's going to look like this. It's not like he won't because in some of the character bios, he said like, I've taken criticism over my art and some of this stuff, but I'm going to fight for what I do and not roll over because my editor tells me something. I, I feel like a lot of that energy honestly comes through. I haven't yeah. read any of his other work. I'm curious to see some of it. I I have read the technically the prequel to this. Like, now? Yeah, the one where Izuku first shows up and... The, the whole heroes thing is more revealed, and it's it's very similar. I really liked it, and I really see why some of this stuff transferred over into my hero. I'm curious about the other two weekly series you did in Shonen Jump. So am I. I haven't gone back and read a lot of backlogs manga. That could be something that I want to do, where I go back and read his other serialized works and see how they're different. I mean, clearly they were good because he got a third one. Yeah. I really like his art style, too. Like Taito Kubo, he uses a lot of heavy shading. Yep. His pages end up being a little more white, and I like the effect it has. I don't think he's quite as good a draftsman as Kubo is, but no. he's very good at character emotion, though, because all his characters are a little cartoony, a little bit American comics. Yep. Well, and I think he even mentioned, I think it's one of the author's notes or something like that, where he mentions that he's like, I hope my art, I might be confusing this with somebody else, I hope my art comes off. In the page, he's like, I know people that can sell entire stories with just one page, but I'm not at that level. To be fair, I think like he's doing that Japanese selling himself short thing, because yeah. I think his art's very good. But he does have a lot of that in his notes throughout it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think his art is very good, but I also notice he's like, hey, I realize I'm not somebody that can sell something with just a single page, but I'm not selling myself short either by saying that I can't tell my story at all. I guess to that point, though, a thing that he does that's brilliant, and the anime captures this pretty decently, is whenever Izuku, who's the main character, who's kind of a shy nerd, who yep. talks to himself, mutters, the speech bubble just has the word mutter around it, and like yep. that's what makes it up. It's not a traditional speech bubble. It's just like the word mutter over and over again and like getting smaller fonts around it. Yep. And that's like an amazing storytelling technique. That's really more a lettering thing than an art thing, but it's definitely a really good way of showing Izuku's character of he will just kind of like mutter to himself but inaudibly 
So, like, we can see what he's saying, but almost no one else can hear him. Well, they just hear him kind of murmuring. People react to it, but they have no idea what he's saying. Well, so. yeah, and that's what I get the feeling of. They can feel him going, I don't want to make the noise because I feel like that won't be good audio. But he mumbling to himself and they can't make out the words. Another thing that really drew this to me is his clear love for American comics. I think he said specifically he's really a Marvel guy, and that's too bad, but no one's perfect. But, like, a lot of the covers, like, he just, like, will make them, like, American comics. He has this Jump Comics logo he's made in the top left, like DC and Marvel have, and he has, like, the barcode. And even the collected volume looks like a collected American volume. Yep. I've, I'm not sure if complained is the right word, but commented on how the collected volumes of manga aren't single stories. And this one isn't really either, but no. it does have that like American comics title page, uh, Izuki Midoriya origin that yep. feels like this could be an American collected volume almost. Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, clearly influenced by him. Um, and it is a superhero story. So it's kind of hard not to be almost unless I guess common writer and super sentai and Ultraman aren't really, that's their own thing. But yeah, they're not really superheroes. They're more like super powered people because there are tons of stories with people that have fantastical powers that would clearly be superheroes in a superhero setting, but that aren't superheroes, even though Kamen Rider, Ultraman and those guys are very close to superheroes. I mean, I would call them superheroes, but we're kind of quibbling at yeah. this point. So the manga starts off with setting establishment. And if you don't know, basically My Hero Academia takes place in the near future. But 80% of people now have superpowers at birth. Yep. And those range from having the ability to slowly draw small objects toward yourself to being able to shoot fire or ice at will. Yep. I really like the superpowers in this setting. And as more and more get revealed, I really like the care he puts into these superpowers that a lot of heroes, even professional heroes, have very boring sounding powers when they first come out. Like, a lot of people, and Quirks is a great name for them, because a lot of them are not traditional superpowers. Like, sure, shooting fire is a traditional superpower, but, like, we have Asui, who's a toad. Like, she's got all the powers of a frog. I'm, and She's very clearly to me like a Spider-Man riff, though. Yeah, but, oh, so, uh, Sarah, the guy who shoots tape from his elbows, that is his superpower. And he's actually really cool. Like, I really like his character design, but it's like, that's a superpower. He shoots tape from his elbows. It reminds me a lot of One Piece in that way, where yep. people have really crazy powers that end up being, like, shown in earth-threatening levels of dangerous because of how they use them. Yeah, well, and that's what I like about these powers, is that you could have somebody who, all right, I shoot tape from my elbows. Well, how would you use that? And he figures out a way to be extremely effective with it. And most of the quirks are like that. They are, Almost all of them have downsides. They're not traditional superpowers in that sense. Like, you don't see Superman having to worry about his eyeballs burning if he uses too much heat vision versus somebody with heat vision in this setting would probably have to worry about that. Or uh, Aizawa has the problem of he constantly gets dry eye because he has to never blink in order for his power to work. Uh, so... The first volume, though, is, is mostly just focused on the main character, Izuki Midoriya, and his relationship with All Might. Yep. Midoriya is one of the 20% of people that does not have a quirk. Yes. But he wants more than anything to be a superhero, and so he studies super hard. We also find out early on that heroes a profession because the government will pay you to be a superhero, because in a world where 80% of people have superpowers, crime is crazy. Yeah, they mentioned back in the past when these superpowers first started, 
materializing. Uh, the police couldn't handle them, so you started having other superpower people take up the mantle, and their society has kind of adapted around that. I find it interesting that, like, Izuku has a dad. I Is he... No, what, we, he's I, basically never shows up. I'm not ne- sure if he's dead. That's, I mean, we don't know if he's dead, but he's never... He's mentioned once, literally once, when Izuku's a young boy, and the doctor is telling him that he doesn't have a quirk, and he's like, normally they'll manifest one of the parents' quirks or a combination of the two, and his mom is like, oh, well, I can pull small objects towards me, and his dad can breathe fire. She says, my husband. So they're not separated. Like, they're, they're, yeah, they're married. Not, it's not least, like he's a deadbeat. Oh, maybe he is a deadbeat dad. But it's at not least like- at that time, they are together, and she also, she doesn't like speak about him in the past tense, like no. he died or something like that. But also in the flashback, she's like a thin, attractive-looking woman, yep. and in the present, she's kind of fat. So, yeah. which is a cool art thing, but I wonder if something happened there, or if it's just a matter of clearly All Might is supposed to be Midoriya's dad. Not literally, not biologically. But yeah, but I totally get that. Story, He's definitely so, his father figure of, so, <laughs> I, he looked up to him all the time. He watched this one YouTube video of essentially All Might's debut of where it's some disaster, and I love this scene in the anime. Actually, both the dub and the sub are great in this scene of... The video starts off with it's some guy at the crime scene commenting like, ah, there's been this horrible disaster, but this guy's saved hundreds of people already. And it's only been like, you know, two minutes. And then All Might shows up with like 10 people on his back with this huge smile on his face. And he's laughing hysterically. And he's like, don't worry, because I am here. Yeah, it's really cool. And there's an editor's note where he's like, all my editors were like, I, who would want to be like All Might? And the answer is me. I would like to be like All Might. I mean, Seriously, really, that guy is cool. That's, a, I think, a Japanese divide thing. Because they're like, shouldn't he be a pretty boy who's like 12? Because anyone above 12 in Japanese society is basically an old geezer already. Yeah. But I really like the depiction of All Might, both in like his heroic form. And also, if you don't know the plot of My Hero Academia, basically Midoriya is like, getting ready to give up on his dream of being a superhero because he has no quirk when one day he's attacked by a monster and saved by all might yep and he like clings onto all might as all might is trying to get away and learns like basically all might is incredibly flawed he has incredibly injured five years ago and is slowly dying so he can only really be a hero for three hours at a time anymore yep and because his mom basically, like, when he found out he didn't have a quirk, just said, I'm sorry, instead of saying, hey, you can still do it. All he wants is for someone to encourage him. Yep. But All Might is like, hey, being a hero is incredibly dangerous. You put your life on the line every day, every time you're out there. So, like, it's good to dream, but, like, I can't tell you, yeah, I do it because and send you to your death. Yeah. He's like, becoming part of the police force is also something that's a worthy goal. Like, those guys, while they might not get as much attention do just as much work as the heroes do. Yeah, and I really like All Might, I think, because like what he's doing is a public performance. It's an act, yep. but it's also something he believes. Yep. It's just not something that like is really who he is. And like he even says, the reason I'm always smiling is because I'm terrified all the time. And it's to kind of hide that fact. Yep. That like I could die at any moment. Yeah. So the sludge monster that Izuku had been fighting ends up attacking his friend Bakugo, which we can get into him in a minute. But All Might is in his withered form, which does look really, still looks really cool. And he's like, oh no, I spent all my time with young Midoriya. I've wasted all my time. I can't save this guy. Someone else will come after him. And he's 
like even All Might is clearly down on himself because of these past five years he's been gravely injured. Yeah, he's, he's like, like I've been withering away. I can't be a hero as much anymore. Like he is down in the dumps, and so both of these guys end up picking each other up. Yeah, because Midoriya like doesn't have a plan, but when he sees his friend in danger, like he can't help but like rush at him and just throw his backpack at the guy. He explains is like when I looked at you in that moment, it looked like you needed saving. Yeah. And so he rushed in before any of the heroes did. He was like, all my comments, he was like, you were the only person who acted during that situation. Yeah. And that, like, makes All Might even more frustrated with himself, but inspires him to, like, push through. And he's like, hey, I've got to put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. And risk my life, just like I said, heroes have to. Yeah. And he ends up saving Bakugo in that moment. Yep. And he's basically like, hey, I was wrong. You're the perfect person to be a hero. Also, my power is totally transferable, it turns out. So do you want your mentors and idols power set? Yeah. And, like, of course Midoriya says yes, both yep. because of he wants to be a hero, but, like, that's the best thing he could have heard. Yep. Well, and also when All Might defeats the Sludge Monster, one of the things I really like is he punched the air so hard that the shockwave ripped the Sludge Monster off of Bakugo and changed the air pressure so that it started raining to put out the fires that Bakugo had inadvertently caused. So I guess now we should jump into who Bakugo is. He's a jerk. If there's a problem with My Hero Academia as a shonen anime, it's that I don't think Bakugo is as good a rival as, like, Vegeta or Sasuke. And no. where the anime is right now, he's getting a lot better at that. He has a depth to his character. And the thing I like about Bakugo is I totally know people who are very much like him, which is pretty cool. But basically, he has a quirk where he can create explosions with his hands, basically. It's more complicated than that. He, like, but, sweats nitroglycerin. But this volume like doesn't that. explain what his yeah, power he, is. So. He causes explosions with his hands. Uh, so because he has this amazing quirk, he was always praised. Everyone's like, oh, you'll be a great hero. And it all, like, went straight to his head. And while he and Midoriya were friends as kids, he became, like, a huge bully. Because even though Midoriya had no powers, he had the same goals. And Yep. Like, Bakugo just had to push him down to try and raise himself up. Yep. But he also, he's not a genius, like a lot of times the trope in this shonen anime ends up being. He's just got a really good power and knows how to use it. He's still very smart. Yeah, he is, he's not coasting, though, also. He's not as smart as Midoriya. He doesn't always study. But no. it's not like he ignores that because well, then he's, he's also yeah, he's also he's more of like the intrinsically smart or intuitively smart kind of like uh, it's Goku during a fight and he like understands that completely. But you try and get him to do something outside of his wheelhouse and he can't do it. And they mentioned that this is during the test. They mentioned that Bakugo is the natural born warrior. Like clearly, he was just really good at taking out the opponents. He wasn't, like, at this point, it's not like he's being a great hero. He's just really good at fighting villains at the moment. But also, and this doesn't come up in this arc, so I won't talk about it too much, but we find out his motivations are almost pure. Like, he doesn't want to be a hero for the right reasons, really, but he does want to be a hero and save people. So, he does. He wants he's not to, doing it just because he wants to fight, either. Yeah, but he's like, I want to be a hero even better than All Might. Yeah. And then he also mentions make lots of money, <laughs> which honestly never comes up again like his his motivations later on are almost always like i am going to surpass all might that is his motivation of i'm going to become a better hero than you are so yeah once midoriya spends a montage and by that i mean the entire year training to inherit all might's power 
there's this really cool bit where Allmott's like, hey, we're at this garbage beach where people dump all their garbage. Because being a hero is supposed to be about public service, not just cool battles and making money and yep. getting popular. It was. It's a really good message that it's like, it's the little things that you can do. You know, nobody ever cleans up this beach. So I'm going to kill two birds with one stone by help. By karate kidding you into being super buff. Well, I mean, doing that kind of weight training is actually totally yes, yes. feasible. Like I said, karate kidding. Karate kidding was more <laughs> tricking him I guess into that's true. Like, realizing the stupid motions that he was doing weren't actually stupid motions at all. This is more like you're going to do a public service and also do some weight training at the same time. It's not just cleaning up the beach. He's like, you're going to be cleaning up the beach, but I've also got study plans for you. I got uh, meal plans for you. Yeah, the All Might path to success. The All Might diet, because at the end of it, he's literally like, this is a picture of you 10 months ago. You're a shrimp. Now you're an anime buff boy. Yep. And we see like his muscles, and he looks very good. I get why the girl who's into him is into him after seeing him without a shirt. Yep. So he goes from there to like actually taking the entrance exam, which, like I said, is very, very video gamey. Yep. There's a written exam that we don't really see, but also that's Midoriya's wheelhouse anyway. So. Yeah. Before that, there is the great moment where he meets Ochako, or yes. Uraka. Um, Whichever you prefer. It is Ochako Uraraka. That's it. Okay. Which I guess literally translates to Tea Party Pretty Day. Yep. So apparently there's a bunch of Japanese puns and all this stuff. Uh, but anyway, so Izuku is walking to the entrance exam and trips because he's so nervous. And Uraraka saves him from falling by using her quirk, which isn't explained at the time, but he's just hovering in midair. And she's like, oh, I noticed you were about to trip, and that's a inauspicious way to lead the day, so I figured you shouldn't. And Izuku's just all flustered. And yes. then she says some more things, and she's like, well, you know, good luck with the exam, and walks away. And Izuku's internal monologue is, I talked to a girl. Well, then we have like an asterisk, like a straight up Stan Lee style editor's note. Did yep. not actually talk. <laughs> Which was great, because they even did that in the anime, and it was yeah. just this great moment of, like, he didn't actually say anything. Yeah, it's very good. Yep. Um. So anyway, it's a very video gamey. You have to take out these robots. The easy ones are worth one point. The medium ones are worth two points. And the hard ones are worth three points. Yep. And then there is the, the thwomp, the obstacle that is unkillable. You just need to avoid. And even if you somehow do take it out, it's still only worth zero points. Yeah. And it's a giant Godzilla-style monster. Yep. There's also the introduction of Ida. It's a lot faster in the manga, but in the anime, I really like his introduction, too, where he's just an asshole. Because he's like, hey, this pamphlet has four bad guys on it. You only you mentioned three. <laughs> you, yep. You're slacking, you best school in Japan. Yep. And they're just like, chill. It's not worth any points. That's why we didn't bring it up yet. Yeah, and then... And he um, also yells at uh, Midoriya for muttering. Yeah. And not taking it seriously. And he, like, goes to talk to Urika before the test starts, and she's like, hey, why are you interrupting her when she's, like, meditating or something? Are you trying to screw her up or something? I definitely like the very... It's a very quick... Turn. Turn of like, his character, When but he first showed up in the anime, I was like, oh, I'm gonna hate this guy. And he turns on a dime. It's really cool, but... I also really like that a lot of that is Izuku's perception of him. Yeah. And he's like... He's not being mean, he's just super earnest. Yes. But yeah, that was great. So anyway, they're doing the test, at, and Izuku can't get any points, because he's not used his powers from All Might yet. He doesn't even really know how. All All Might told him to do was clench your butt cheeks, 
and yell in your heart, smash. Yes, which is the best way to activate your power, but yep. it's not super helpful when it's also, all you got to go on. Also, people like Izuku and Bakugo are not in the same test arena, so there are multiple test arenas, and people from the same middle school aren't, middle school aren't, yeah, aren't going to be allowed to help each other. So Izuku does not get to see Bakugo, and Bakugo does not get to see Izuku, which is kind of important for later chapter. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Izuku can't get any points, but when the giant Godzilla-sized thwomp shows up, he noticed that Uruka has tripped and, like, it's going to yep. pounce on her. Well, and Izuku is also, he at first panics and is starting to run away. He's like, I need to get away from this thing. I need to get points, but I don't know how to do it. He's just, he's super flustered. And like you said, he noticed Uraka has tripped and she's, like, under a bit of rubble or something like that from when the giant Godzilla monster showed up. So he's like, oh no, she's going to be hurt. Just like when he goes to save Bakugo, he starts moving before he thinks about it. Yeah, before he can think about it, he's like 100 feet in the air all yep. of a sudden. And he one-hit KOs this thing with a punch, which yep. is a really cool panel. Yeah, that's definitely a really cool panel. I also like the fact that right as he's doing the punch is when he's his internal monologue and it's him yelling smash across like almost the entire page in giant letters over a two-page spread yes yeah. it's really cool uh but then he realized doing that has broken both of his legs because he jumped so hard and his arm that he punched with yep so he's falling and uh he's like oh no i'm going to die if i hit the ground because i'm now i was a hundred feet in the air and while I really like All Might and Izuku's relationship, like I talked about earlier, this is really the thing that got me into the series, because I really like what a high cost his power comes at. He has, like, tremendous, ridiculous for even a shonen character power, Yep. but, like, he can only use it once and has to think really hard about when to apply his strength, Yep. because he's screwed afterwards. And I kind of, the series did as much as it could do with it. It was time to move on, but I almost wish that was still how his powers worked, where we are now. I kind of see that, but at the same time, I agree with, from the sensible standpoint of, like, what are you going to do if there's more than one opponent? Oh, yeah, it's definitely what he should have improved on. I just think from, like, a narrative perspective, oh, yeah, like, it's definitely super, super compelling. Yeah, there's there's a ton of moments where he's, I don't really want to get into spoilers, but there's tons of moments where him injuring himself has just been really cool of, all right, is this the time to activate it? No, now's the time. And yeah. it shows how calculating Izuku has to be as a hero. So he's falling down and he's like, all right, well, I still have the use of like my left arm or whatever. And so if I use that Detroit smash that All Might used earlier, which is the air shock wave that he somehow intrinsically knows how to do. He studies All Might and All Might explains it as like, passing down power from person to person. So yep. there might even be some muscle memory in him. There might he... be. This is also something we forgot to mention. Izuku takes a bunch of notes on heroes. During the introduction to Izuku, we are shown a giant monster villain who's like a kaiju almost fighting against Kamui Woods or Kam Kamui Woods, who's like this up and coming hero. And Izuku's like, oh, who's fighting? Oh, and he like, he knows who the guy is. He's like, oh, he's probably going to use his special move, Lacquered Chain Prison, and then that's what he starts to do. And then, of course, Mount Lady shows up, who's another gigantification superhero. And Izuku immediately starts making notes and, like, taking observations of, like, oh, uh, she grows in size. That's a pretty simple but effective power, but the cost-benefit ratio of her destruction to the 
city are going to be pretty big unless she can control her size at will. And somebody notices, like, wow, you're really interested in superheroes. So this is just something that kind of comes up a lot, that Izuku takes studious notes of everybody he considers to be worthy of praise. Yes. And so I do understand him like, oh, I know all of All Might's moves, and I can kind of almost intrinsically understand how they work. Yes. So anyway, before he can risk doing that, though, because if he does it too early, he'll break his arm and die. And if he does it too late, he'll hit the ground and die. Yep. Araka floats up on a piece of the robot he smashed using yep. her gravity powers and slaps him in the face, which reduces gravity on him enough that he can fall safely. Yep. And her downside is if she uses her powers too much, she gets queasy, so she barfs. Yep. Which in the manga is just kind of like a word bubble of her going blarg. But in the anime is her vomiting rainbows, like most vomit is in anime, strangely enough. I don't know why it's always rainbows, but it's always rainbows. So we talked about Ida having a really quick turn. Like, a bunch of the kids are like, why the hell did he do that when it's not worth any points? Yep. But Ida's like, oh, like, he was just acting heroic. Like, maybe he understood the test better than any of us. Yeah. I also really like that. Midoriya's like, what? That wasn't it at all. I just had to save that girl. He was like, I can't believe you grasped the point of the test so quickly. <laughs> yeah. But he kind of did. Like, that's not his motivation. But we, I guess, spoiler, he doesn't get any points because the test ends as soon as he lands. It's not the test ends as soon as he lands. It's like, because he's injured, he's like picking himself up and that's when the test ends. And he's like, I didn't even get one point. Yeah, and he says this out loud. Yeah, because he's just distraught. And yep. two weeks later, he gets basically his letter of acceptance or rejection and finds out that there was also a second secret scoring system based on how heroically you act. Yep, and I feel like that was explained better in the anime. I feel like the manga didn't really show that it was a panel of heroes giving him points. Like, That's they showed true. a picture of it, but that was it. But that's also not important. Right? It's, it's it, not it really is, important. I do like the moment in the anime a lot. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, the manga just is like, oh, you got some extra points too. Yeah. And uh, it, they did mention that it was like, there were points awarded to you by the judges committee or whatever. Yeah, the, based on the heroic actions. Yeah. So Midoriya got in, so did Bakugo, so did Ida, the fast guy, and so did Uruka, of course. Yep. And then also... And the, the naval laser guy is there too, but yeah. he's kind of a minor character at this point. Yep. So that's pretty much the main story. It goes on. You see the first couple of days of Midoriya at school. You were introduced to his teacher, Eraserhead. But if I have one criticism of this first volume, while I do really like it, it doesn't really have any big fights or stakes. All the other ones we've read have, like you have Goku versus Yamcha in Dragon Ball. Yep. You've got, it's not a super tense fight in One Piece, but you have Captain Morgan as a villain who's defeated. And you have in Bleach the first arc with Orihime. Yeah. Here it's just kind of going. And I, I mean, like I, the way it's going, but... Yeah, I guess the stakes are, is Izuku going to make it in or not? Yeah. But also, that's the premise, so... And that kind of does ruin it, but I could still feel that it wasn't necessary that he was going to get into UA. Yeah. You, there like, are other ways the story could have gone, yeah. for sure. But it just... That's kind of the one big criticism I have of this first volume. Yeah, but I mean, most of the time in those moments... Because I, I read comics and all this stuff, it's like, well, of course the hero's going to win. Like, A, it's the start of the manga. It's a very bold choice to have your hero lose at the start, and I can't think of any that do that off the top of my head. 
but I'm sure there's probably one where the hero loses his first big fight, and then the entire manga is him getting like ready crawling to fight himself the, back up, yeah, to fight the rival again. It's like that's that's a really bold choice, but the standard stratagem is the hero wins their first couple of fights. Yeah, it's just he doesn't really have anything to win against, right? It's a concept. It's like yeah. a test score, and that's not a huge problem. It's just looking at it compared to the other shonen manga, it's like getting episodic very quickly, and it's just like a school adventure. And it's pretty cool. It's my favorite of the ones we've read so far. Yeah. Like I said at the top, I really like My Hero Academia, but that's the one major criticism I can level at it. Yeah. My Hero Academia actually doesn't have a ton of huge villain fights a lot of the tension moments are actually like izuku battling against himself yes but that's because of the nature of his powers yeah well i mean it's not even just the nature of his powers like it's not i'm not gonna hurt myself like a lot of the tense moments are how am i gonna figure out how to use my powers which i find really cool that it's it's not just a lot of the time honestly he doesn't figure out a new way to use his power in the midst of a battle unlike most shonen animes where it's like Oh, the the fire of battles yeah. hardened my powers, and I figured out a new way to do thing. it. <laughs> yes, it's the I spent the much more realistic. I spent time practicing, figured something out, and practiced more before getting into a fight. And then he reveals his new power. But it's like I've been working on this for a while now. To be fair, Luffy and Goku mostly work that way too. They do, yeah. It's just Goku has that one big power that everyone knows about that did come up in the heat of battle. Yep. Is there anything else you want to say about Volume 1 of My Hero Academia? Besides, it's very good and you should read it. Definitely go read it. There is one thing I wanted to mention. I really like the joke of Izuku mentions that All Might is drawn completely different than everyone else. And so, like, the first time All Might walks into a classroom, they're like, he's drawn so differently. And they mention the fact that he literally is drawn differently than all the other characters because he is drawn almost exactly like an American superhero. Yeah. And not an anime character. And not an anime character. I also like the little author's notes of like, all right, so here's some backstory on All Might. All my editors originally like, why are these kids going to want to be like this old guy? And the great thing about Bakugo where he was like, initially I had Bakugo just being this genius that would just like almost accidentally insult people. And he's like, I really hated him in that fashion. So I turned him into this mean, obnoxious jerk. And at least then I didn't feel bad about hating him. What I liked is he was like, uh, Ida turned around really quick, and that surprised even me. Yeah. And like, that was the case with me, too, because by the end of this volume, Ida's like, feels like he's the main character's best friend. He from, really like, does, yeah. Being his harshest critic. So. Well, because they like him, Uraraka, and Izuku like leave school together for the first day. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that very quickly went from a dude who I thought, like you said, I thought I was going to hate this guy. Oh, this is going to be the annoying, sticks-to-the-rules paladin of the group. And while he still is the a stickler for the rules, he's not annoying about it, like I thought he was going to be initially. All right, so do we want to put Izuku on our personality power level list, then? Sure, let's start the personality power level segment. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? All right, so personality power level is the segment where we rank characters from the ones we like most to least. At the top is Monkey D. Luffy from One Piece. Yep. At the bottom is Ichigo Kurosaki from Bleach. In the middle is Son Goku from Dragon Ball, and that's the whole list. Yep. It will get longer. Well, yeah. it, it is getting longer, but... At a rate of one character per episode. Yeah. So Midori is a top shooter, right? Definitely a top shooter. I love Izuku's character. 
So the problem with, I don't know if I want to say problem, but what holds back both Luffy and Goku, in my opinion, is they're both kind of icons. They don't develop much. They do a little bit over their series, but both of them are basically the powerhouse. They're there to create change, not to change themselves. Yeah. Whereas Izuku gets to develop throughout the series. He like gets to become both physically stronger, but Luffy and Goku do that as well. But also mentally, he gets to mature. Yeah. I totally agree that it feels like Luffy's progression is his fighting strength, not his character at all, versus Izuku's character actually changes. He started out as this weak, whiny crybaby. But I, I really like I really like Izuku's got character development. Even in this first volume, he has gone from somebody that was kind of meek and timid and sat back and watched everybody to somebody who did something about stuff. Yeah, and characters like Luffy and Goku are great because you can drop them into almost any story. Yep. But I'm always going to prefer a well-done character like Izuku. The problem with a character like Izuku is you can screw it up and that hurts him. But I don't feel like My Hero Academia has done that yet. No, I have been loving his character progression He's still advancing as a person, not just as a superhero. He's not learning. I mean, he's learning more about his powers. He's learning how to better use them. But he's also learning how to be a better person with those powers. And I definitely like that about him. So we're in agreement. Izuku Midoriya, a.k.a. Deku, goes at the top of the list above Monkey D. Luffy? Yes. All right. So that was pretty easy. Yeah. I feel like it's going to start getting harder after this. Yeah. No, it, it will start getting harder after this because we've been comparing shonen characters. Yes. And now we're going to start throwing other uh, types, of characters, other types of characters into the mix. And it'll get really hard to compare the two. Yeah. Especially since next week we're going to be reading something that both of us have zero familiarity with, right? Yep. So I want to do a whole month of shonen manga by decade. So we started with Dragon Ball, obviously, yep. from the 80s. One Piece from the 90s, technically, even though it's still going. Bleach from the aughts. And My Hero Academia from very recently. Yep. I want to kind of do the same thing with shoujo manga for next month. So hopefully two white dudes talking about shoujo manga isn't too cringy for people. And we have things to say. Let's hope. We're going to start because there's almost no relevant 80s shoujo manga that got translated with something called Cypher. Yep. Which I basically heard was a big classic. It's traditional shoujo romance manga. But we're going to read volume one of that. It's out of print, so it's pretty hard to get your hands on. Yep. But I'm hoping I'm going to like it because I it ended up being cheaper for me to buy a box set of the whole thing than volume one since it's out of print. So, yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want to see our past episodes or leave a comment after we do shoujo manga, I'm not really sure what we're going to be doing. So especially if you have something you want to recommend we read. Go to www.lastpodcast.com, leave a comment. You can also find my other two podcasts there, last time on video games, where this week I'm playing Twisted Metal Black with my partners Tyler and Zach, or It's a Gundam, where we will be watching episode 15 of Gundam Seed and be talking about that. We still don't have an email because me and Tyler are bad people who forgot to talk about it when we got together to talk about it. Yeah. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emmert. Other music is provided by Spectacular Sound Productions. Our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. She's very good. You should pay her to commission art for you if you want a drawing of Sailor Moon or something similar. Kevin, is there anything you want to plug this week? 
No, not really, because unfortunately the My Hero Academia anime just ended. Otherwise, that this would have been the perfect time to... I mean, you should watch it if you haven't yet. Yeah. It is amazing. It's very good. I, I can double that recommendation. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Sorry, I'm adjusting myself. Uh, that sounded really awkward. Criny, cry, cry weak, baby. whiny, cry baby. That's what I was going for. Not criny, cry you wine baby. That's my superhero. Cry you wine baby. <laughs> um, he has ice and wine powers. Yes, <laughs> and is a baby. <laughs>